Good morning. Uh, I want to thank you for listening and mention that I really miss our church gatherings and the fellowship, but uh, it's good that we have this in our homes. And I want to begin with prayer, if that's all right. All right, dear Lord, thank you for this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday uh, that we celebrate today. Uh, we pray constantly for our world and those who are sick with the coronavirus and those that might get it. Lord, we know that you're in charge and we just lift them to you. We especially pray for our doctors and nurses and EMTs and all those people that are on the front lines that are serving you and their health is definitely in jeopardy and we ask you to protect them, please. Uh, I also pray that and thank you that you did rise on this Easter Sunday morning and that you right now are sitting on the right hand of God interceding for us. And I pray for each Christian that they might celebrate in their homes this Easter Sunday morning and that they might praise your name. And I pray that out of all of this, those people that do not know you might come to realize that they need a God and they need, they need you desperately, Lord, and help us as Christians to share our faith more than we ever have, even though it might be over the telephone. Lord, we thank you again for this day and for this lesson we're about to study. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, our lesson today is in Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 1 through 12. And uh, I know that many of you have heard these verses so much that you have them memorized, but yet it never hurts to go over them more than once. Uh, take time today to read all the book of Luke, and it wouldn't hurt because you've got extra time to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they all have different stories to tell. Uh, Jesus had been arrested uh, he'd been tried, he'd been convicted of a crime of being the son of God, that he said he was the son of God. He was whipped, he was mocked, he was spit upon, and he was so weak that he couldn't even carry his cross down that long street that we call uh, the way of Del, Del Valeria. Uh, and he carried it to a place called Calvary. It was outside the city limits and up above each cross, there was a sign that said what crime they had committed. And there were three men hanging on crosses that morning, that day on Friday when they hung on the cross. Above Jesus, it, says, it said the Son of God. And the Jewish people, the rabbis, they asked Pilate to take that sign down and put, he says he is the son of God and Pilate refused. And so everybody that came by there, even though they spit at him and they cursed him, they read that sign, he is the son of God. Uh, and so they laid him in the tomb and uh, 
you know, this is, it, we call that Good Friday. And most people think that it should be Bad Friday because that was the day that our Lord and Savior was, was killed. But no, that's not true. It's Good Friday because it gave all of us hope to spend eternity with the Lord. Uh, after three days, we all know that he arose from the grave and that right now he's sitting on the right hand and interceding, uh, right hand of God, interceding for each one of us. And that's what we celebrate this morning. Uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, whatever you call it. Uh, I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 1 of chapter 24 and read verse 1 through 3. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. Uh, these uh, were the same women that had been standing far away the day Jesus was crucified. They were there, they saw him suffer. Uh, later on in many of the Gospels, and I'm going to read some of the names later of the women who were there. We know that his mother was there because Jesus looked down from the cross and asked the Apostle John <clears throat> to take care of his mother. Um, you know, he thought in human terms, just like we do, because he was a human at that time. Uh, this was, and so they were, they were at the crucifixion, but two men blessed them. They asked Pilate for the body of Jesus and they laid him in a new tomb out on the hill called Calvary. If you've been to Calvary or if you've seen the pictures, I know you know what it looks like. It's a very rocky hill outside of town because they didn't kill anybody within the city limits of Jerusalem because it was uh, it was a sacred place. And uh, we don't know if that tomb was hollowed out or if that cave was already there because there are many caves. And up above toward the top, there is a rock formation that looks just like a skull. It's amazing. And so we call that the place of the skull as well. Uh, they could not go on Saturday to put more spices on. They buried Jesus very quickly because they all were good Jews and they didn't do any work of any kind on the Sabbath. And so they prepared the spices, these women did, and then very early on Sunday morning, uh, they went to the tomb. And Matthew tells us that they talked about who could roll away the stone. There was a large trench in front of each cave, of the cave, and a big stone would be rolled in front of it for two reasons. Number one, uh, grave robbers would come in and get the spices and the pure linen cloth that the body was wrapped in and they could sell it and also wild animals might come in and so the women knew they couldn't move the stone and so they were concerned about that uh, in matthew he says they went the first day of the week at dawn and luke says they went at the crack of dawn. And then John says, 
they left before it was still dark and walked toward the tomb. Uh, and so now they are at Calvary. Uh, and we see that there are two angels there when they get there. Uh, some of the Gospels just tell about one angel, but maybe one of them had left. We're not going to worry about that. It, what we're talking about is the empty tomb. Uh, the entrance would be very low, and you would have to bow to get into the tomb. And I want to take a minute to tell, in the 1970s, late 70s, my family and I were privileged to visit the Holy Land, which we call Israel. Uh, we went with a tour through Southwestern Seminary and Dr. Bill Toler, who was chairman of the uh, theology department at that time, led the group. And uh, I never saw him, I heard a man that knew more about the Bible than he did. And we were, it's, we call it now the garden tomb. Uh, it's beautiful. They planted trees. They had to haul in dirt in order to do that. There were wonderful, beautiful flowers. It, it's gorgeous. And two or three at the most could go inside the tomb. When I went in the tomb, I saw on each side a kind of a shelf out of the rock where they laid the bodies. And of course, it was empty. And uh, I was very moved. I'm sorry, I, I was, and I still am. But when I turned around to leave, this is what got to me. In almost every language that you can imagine, up over the, the door of the tomb, as you went out, it said, he is not, ris he is not here, he has arisen. And I wept at that point, you know. Uh, it was a marvelous experience to, to walk where Jesus walked. Uh, and I think it was good that you had to bow to get into the tomb. It really was because we bow before the Lord. All right, let's read further, starting in verse 4. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men enclosed. Now, what they were wondering about was, how are we going to roll the, the stone away? Uh, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, they, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, and this is important, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has arisen. Isn't that a beautiful saying? He is not here. He's arisen. And then they went on. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. And they're going to tell what Jesus said. All right, let's read verses 6 through 9. He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told, he told you while he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man, and this is quoting Jesus, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. You know, many times people tell us things that we forget. And Jesus had told them more than once that he was to die. In fact, he went, there, he went on, you know, that day especially 
because that was the day when the lambs were crucified to honor Jesus, and we call Jesus the perfect Lamb of God. And it said he set his face toward Jerusalem. He knew where he was going. He knew that he was going to be beaten and crucified and that he would be dead as a human and that he would rise again, the perfect son of God. You know, it's amazing. God knows everything. He knows everything about you, what you ever thought. Uh, it's kind of scary sometimes that God knows all my thoughts, but he does. And so they remembered. Uh, and they, now they're going to run to the disciples. And we're going to read verses 6 through, uh, go through 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. Okay, uh, to the eleven, there were twelve apostles. But if you remember, Judas had betrayed Jesus, and then he went out and hung himself. So they're down to eleven men now. And they, I, I'm sure that they ran as hard as they could run to where the apostles were probably in a locked room because they were afraid they also would be crucified because they had followed Jesus. Uh, you know, I don't know why people can't believe this because we know on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them, there were 120 believers in that upper room and they went out and they talked to all the people and there was such a crowd in Pentecost that you could hardly, on Pentecost day, that you could hardly walk around in Jerusalem because every male within a hundred miles would have been there in Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And we also know that in addition to that, later on, they've says that the Bible says that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. And so, over and over, these are eyewitnesses who saw the living Lord who had risen from the grave. Now, there were other people in the Bible that died, and Jesus brought them back to life, like Lazarus, which is the most uh, one that we hear about the most. Uh, he probably was among those because the Jews wanted to kill him as well. Uh, but he died later. But Jesus rose never to die again. Uh, you know, they were in a locked room and they were afraid, but they didn't believe the women. Now, here's a talk to us women. Uh, they didn't believe what women, women couldn't wit be a, uh, a witness in a court testimony because they were just not reliable. Uh, they, they didn't believe them. And the word says nonsense when we get to that, uh, when I read verse 10. And uh, that means in Hebrew, somebody that has delirium or has a high fever. <laughs> and so us women were just kind of looked down on in that day and they didn't believe. All right, let's read a little bit further. When they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to the others. That means other people were with them. 
And it was Mary, they, here he names some names, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother of, uh, and Mary, the mother of James, and that would be the mother of James and John, and the others that were with them who told this to the apostles. And they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. That's that word, uh, delirium, high fever. I know they were so excited. How would you have felt if you had seen the Lord, seen the, seen the empty tomb and seen the angels and you went to tell them and they didn't believe you? How many people do we witness to today that do not believe that Jesus truly came, the Messiah came, in fact, the Jewish people are still looking for a Messiah. And, you know, that is so sad, but many Jews have come to Jesus in their belief. Um, and so the women were not reliable, and they didn't believe it. But now that if we read further in verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, and bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by, them, by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. You know, he still didn't believe. Now, in one of the, in the other Gospels, it says John. By the way, John hardly ever put his name in what he wrote. Uh, he wanted to be anonymous. And of course, Luke is telling this, I don't know if he was, I doubt he was there because Luke is telling it what John had told him uh, because Luke appeared on the scene later when Paul uh, became a Christian. Luke was a doctor and he, he did a lot of his study in Luke and in Acts, which he also wrote because of talking to Jesus's mother, Mary. And so, we know that Peter and John both ran to the tomb, but John was a younger man, and we think of Peter as a big burly fisherman, and probably he couldn't run as fast. And uh, John at, at ran ahead of him, he passed him, and John went into the tomb, and the Bible says he believed. Isn't that wonderful? He believed. But Peter was still a little bit doubtful. And later when the apostles were gathered together in a locked room, Jesus appeared in the midst of them. Now how he got in, it, it doesn't make any difference, but he could come through a wall or a locked door. You know, he had a resurrected body. He could do anything. And he did. He could appear one place like he was on the road to Emmaus and he talked to those two people and told them beginning back with Moses and talked, talked about the prophets. And uh, they invited him to stay. They were very sociable at that time. They didn't have to stay six feet apart like we do. And uh, so they uh, invited him to stay and to eat with them and they asked him to say the blessings. And when he broke the bread and said the blessing, all of a sudden they knew who he was, that he was Jesus, the risen Lord. 
and he was gone. And then he appeared in Jerusalem in a locked room. And when they came, they said, we already know it. He's been here. But you know, Thomas wasn't there. And he was an apostle. And he was a good apostle. But he said, unless I see Jesus and put my fingers in his hand, I will not believe. But you know, when he saw Jesus, he didn't have to do that. He just bowed down and he said, my Lord and my God. You know, what, can you imagine the moment when you leave this earth and you see Jesus for the first time? You're not going to walk up and shake his hand. No, you're going to fall down on your face and worship him. And I don't know if he'll come while we're still alive and we'll see him coming in the clouds or if we're in the ground dead. But either way, we're going to be with Jesus through eternity. And so that's the reason it's so important that we believe that we believe. And Jesus, the witnesses are so many, you know, 500 people at one time heard Jesus speak. And then on the day of Pentecost, old Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, he got up and preached. And so many, the people went out in the street, those 120, and they began to share the gospel with people that had never heard it before. And so many believed that day. Now, I don't know how they talked in all those different languages, but yet God can do anything. He's capable of that. And so my question today, as we finish this lesson, and it's a very short lesson, uh, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose again? And right now he is in heaven waiting for you you know, when he left, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I don't know what heaven is like. I know it's a big place because there's going to be a lot of people there. But it'll be perfect. It'll be just right. And uh, so, you know, if you don't know the Lord and you're listening to me this morning, Please get down on your knees and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's real easy. Just admit that you are a sinner and ask for forgiveness. And God will come into your life and your life will never, ever be the same. And I'm a witness of that. Your life will never be the same. Now, let's close in prayer. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who have heard my voice today and heard this story, that even those of us as Christians will get on our knees on what we call Easter Sunday, and we'll thank Jesus for what he did for us. I can't imagine taking all the sins of the world on myself at one time. It must have been a terrible, terrible time for him. And then his own father turned his back on him because God cannot look on sin. And he was alone on that cross when he died. But you know, he looked down from that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he said, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. That meant that 
he took his, he took the time, the very time that he was to die and go back into heaven to be with the Lord. And I pray that if you do not believe, that you'll also get on your knees and talk to Jesus. He wants to talk to you. He loves you. He loves you more than any person you have ever met, and he's loved you from the beginning of time. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful, wonderful day when you arose from the grave. Lord, we can't thank you enough. There are no words in our language to say thank you, and we do it over and over. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, if I could sing and carry a tune, Austin wouldn't let me be in the choir if I went in there and tried to, to, to try out. I know that. But at home, I thought, you know, if I could, I'd sing a solo to, uh, on Easter Sunday. And it could be that we're going to sing that song. And the song I thought of, Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.